Hello, and welcome to Becoming, hosted by Lisa Loveland and Costa Hansis. This podcast is focused on helping you become the best version of yourself. And no matter where you are on that journey, we hope to bring you one step closer with every episode. Now, please join me in welcoming your hosts, Lisa Loveland and Costa Hansis. Welcome all. Uh, today, shocking, we're going to be talking about NFTs. <laughs> it's our obsession. Yeah. And we have Kevin Lawson, who is just dynamic in this um, in this field. He is the founder of Purple Penguins. Kevin, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, why don't we just have a conversation about, um, you know, what what got you moving in this direction? And then let's talk a bit about your project. Yeah, of course. Um, so, I mean, my my intro to the space started as an artist. Um, the art behind me is not mine. It's a, a local friend of mine. Um, but yeah, I started as an artist. I was learning how to take my paintings and turn them into video files for video mapping for events because I, I host concerts. Um, so when I came across NFTs, I was already making video files. It just made sense to try and put my canvas art out as a video file into the NFT space. And my first foray into it really was as an artist. And then from there, it went into being a collector and starting to collect different um, you know, different collectibles through apps like VB with their like Marvel and DC Comics type stuff. And then different artists generally on the Tezos chain because it was uh, a lot of artists from all over the world. So it was really easy to kind of, you know, throw a, a few dollars at a piece of art and support an artist that's international. So I really liked that aspect of that, that chain and what they were doing there. And that was really what got me into the space. And then from there, it, you know, I realized that there's a lot of cash flow going around. There's a lot of opportunity. It's a new industry where you can really kind of carve out your own path. So that was where I started to, you know, explore what I can do in the space and, um, you know, finding, finding ways to attach a, a social good cause to it was always um, you know, a goal from the beginning and something I've always wanted to do just in, in my day-to-day -day life. So again, with this new industry, it made sense to explore ways to attach social good to the NFT trend. Yeah, yeah, we see a lot of that and it's really cool to see. Um, did you, you're, in your artist community, other artists have a hard time understanding why you would be wanting to go from the canvas into an NFT. We've seen that, 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 that bridge is a little difficult at first. Yeah. Um, I found the main pushback was, um, a, that I was trying to sell art, which was kind of strange. I have always organized events for the last like 10 years. And whenever I'm promoting an event or promoting another band's art or something like that, everyone was always super positive about it. But when I started to push my NFTs as a product, people were like, Oh, now you just sell things. But like, I've always sold things. It's just my yeah. art now that I'm selling. Um, so that was the one, one interesting angle that I had to overcome or an interesting experience I kind of had to overcome. And then the other side was the environmental pushback, which is actually kind of... Yes, it can very much be terrible for the environment, but after exploring different opportunities and other, other avenues and pathways in the industry that you could take that are more environmentally conscious, uh, I realized that it can actually be an, a positive conversation about the environment and then beneficial to the environment versus damaging. So that was kind of how we explored and Purple Penguin came to be. Awesome. So tell tell the audience a little bit about how that conversation goes. Yeah, so, um, you know, most NFTs you're going to hear about or most blockchain related things are going to be Ethereum or Bitcoin. They're, you know, the, the household names, right? So those are both on a proof of work chain and with proof of work, um, you know, there's, there's more computing power needed basically to uh, communicate between the computers that have to mine the currency or um, communicate the language of the code. Right. So because there's more computers involved in the process, it takes more power, which 
causes more carbon emissions to create the transaction or the communication between uh, the, the coding language and what you see on your computer. Um, so that would be a proof of work chain, and that's going to be what you hear most of the time. That's you know the equivalent of like a, a jet engine or um, burning the Amazon and, and these things because it is actually extremely damaging to use these chains for um, different causes. Now you can within the code, if you know what you're doing, you can alter the code so that it takes less uh, steps in the process, which again will reduce the amount of emissions uh, made. But there are other chains which are proof of stake chains. Um, and that's kind of just like a verification or a validation versus an actual mining procedure. Um, so with those chains, you can actually be less environmentally impactful. And for example, to mint our NFTs, it's about the equivalent of running your fridge for 12 minutes. Um, so it, it's not nearly the same kind of impact that you have when you work on proof of work chains versus proof of stake. And then we, with carbon offsets, um, we could actually become carbon negative by donating to a mangrove restoration project where uh, the mangrove restoration actually helps with the shoreline, helps with animals, helps with carbon. So it's a multifaceted um, offset. It's not just a tree planting. Yeah, that's that's great. And then in regard to the first uh, stumbling block when people were upset that you were selling art, um, th th these things always fascinate me. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it, it why was would somebody really have a problem honestly. with you being artists just because they're used to you, you know, promoting events? People have such a hard time taking people out of what they are used to seeing them in. So yeah, we like putting people in, and things into boxes, right? Yes, and once you yes. step out of that box, it, it really surprises people or right. it throws them off. Totally. Um, so, so what were, how did, what, what was, what were some of those conversations like? Um, I mean, mostly it was just a, a few people, not really like excessive, but there was a few people that were kind of just like, you know, your, your feed is just a sales feed now or not your marketplace kind of thing, yeah. which, of course, so when you first find a new thing, you're excited about it. So you do probably, I, I know myself, I talk about it a lot more than I ever used to. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's that element where maybe I did probably post a few posts in a row and they just were ready to jump. I also kind of feel like I, I've been guilty of it myself as well. We're all on our computers all the time now. We don't have the same social interactions as we do. So conversation and the ability to just like nitpick people's lives has yeah. grown a lot like the, the overstepping i think into people's personal lives because of social media sharing has really expanded with the pandemic and i think that that also played a factor like if this was a thing i was doing four years ago before any of this happened when people weren't on their computers 24 hours a day the reaction might have been a little different good point really good point tell our viewers about uh, about your project purple penguin if they're not familiar with it of course uh, so Pearl Penguin is is a passion project between me and my girlfriend. Me um, and Chantal started this in May. Um, and our, our goal with this is to reverse the conversation about climate action and, and climate effects of uh, blockchain while raising funds through gamification and incentivization. So generally, when you have a fundraiser or anything climate uh, climate change related, it's always a guilt conversation. It's, it's always about uh, you know, making you feel bad. There's images of animals dying and things that kind of makes you supposed to make you feel sad. You make a donation and then nothing happens. You, something may happen with the actual organization, but you don't get any return on your investment, essentially, other than knowing that you donated to a good cause, right? right. So what we want to do is incentivize. Um, I've worked in concerts and gaming for a long time. So I have a huge network of, of industry contacts that could help support us and bring in an entertainment factor to uh, conservation. So we want to gamify climate conservation. Um, and to do that, we're working with um, Project ARC, which is a collab between World Wildlife Fund and Carbon Base. 
and uh, the Luke Hoffman Institute, which is exploring gamification of climate conservation and animal conservation. So together, we're going to create a mix of learn to earn, play to earn, and uh, experiences for our community as an incentive for investing in climate action. It's amazing. Yeah. And how is it? How, how? Go ahead, Kirsten. I was going to say, like, yeah, it's super. I guess that kind of ties into like the whole money aspect in terms of education too. Uh, I kind of relate that to there's a channel I watch on YouTube called Valuetainment. And when they were thinking of like talking about like Patrick, Patrick Bet David is the host of it. And when they were thinking about coming up for the concept, they were like, well, we need to combine education. We can't just tell people like educate, here's videos on how to start a business. It needs to have some sort of form of entertainment. It has to be entertaining because nobody's going to watch it at the end of the day too. So I kind of relate that and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of like you're taking that same approach because you know, climate change is this is trying to be going on for so long. People are trying to do something, but people don't know where to start. Uh, where do I even do it? And it, I, at the end of the day, it might not be the funnest thing to do, but if you can take something that has a positive impact and do what you're doing with gamification, entertainment, that probably will get more kind of traction and change than you would if you just go out there and try to push just strict climate change. Hey, donate to this. But if you make it fun for people, I think you have a bigger impact. Yeah, exactly. And through collective change, we can do more. So by bringing the NFT collector aspect and having the, you know, the 10,000 penguin collection, that gives us a huge community that can also support our cause. And uh, we'll have a treasury and, and a DAO for proposals and things that we can, uh, it'll be like a hybrid kind of brand model where we have proposals for the community to support. And then we also have our, our leadership kind of leading the, the boat into the sea, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, this is also kind of inspired by my nephew as well. Um, you know, having worked in the music industry, naturally, I'm curious what everybody listens to and where they find what they're what they're into. So my nephew's around 12 years old. He's just around that age when most people kind of start really getting into music and stuff. So I asked him what he's into. And he told me that he pretty much just watches YouTube streamers of gamers, like watches guys like Shroud and things like that. So again, I worked in esports for a little while. So I quickly knew that, okay, this is how I connect to my nephew. He's really into gaming. I work in gaming. This is how I can connect to my family and connect to the youth. And Climate change is something that they're born into a world that's dying. They're born into a world where they spend a lot of time online in games. They are going to be metaverse native. You know, kids that are born now yeah. are born with the metaverse live. They, they're born without knowing any different. So if we can utilize that to educate them about climate change and gamify it and reward them for getting involved at an early age or, um, you know, in, encourage them to understand that their choices do matter and their choices now will affect how things go in their future then we can hopefully do this by making it fun. That's a great concept. It's too bad we don't do that with other types of education. You know, there's all kinds of different ways to learn and we have to get kids engaged so that they want to come back and learn more, not just a lecture style classroom that can be so disruptive. So yeah, going I came to across something recently. It's a, it's an AR company. Um, mm. And they're, they're using AR to basically essentially also gamify and, um, create experience experiential learning so like for example for chemistry or, or bio, biology instead of dissecting the frog it's an ar frog that you can take apart and in an ar experience and look at it from all angles and i would love to have learned chemistry and math and things using yeah. that kind of technology right like i would have been way more interested in yep. classes that i didn't care about because it's, it's such a new way of learning yes it's funny you when do you think go ahead I was just saying, it's funny you mentioned the education part of it too, because I was just typing something up for our project too. And a big thing for ours is we're taking, we want to take a stance on education and do something with education, but we're kind of building, figuring out the building blocks of where do we best position ourselves to do it too. So the whole thing with education, I think of just incorporating this technology and, and taking approach and using NFTs to tackle technology, whether that's through AR or VR, whatever technology that is in NFTs. 
I know I would have learned better and I think people will learn better. I don't, I just kind of behooves me, honestly, when we see this education system that we've had for so long of just the same way sitting in desk where the teacher's just telling you and the teacher, some teachers are amazing. I've had amazing teachers and some teachers aren't passionate and some teachers maybe at the end of the day, a lot of them might not know or stay up to date with things that are going on. So it's just, it's something that needs to be tackled from so many different angles. I think what you're doing is amazing, but I think what people need to do too, is you're tackling it from one angle of just like the climate change and doing that. It's hard and very easy, especially now with the technology being so new to like spread yourself too far. So that's just one thing. Mm -hmm. I think it was like, let's tackle one thing and then we can move on to the next thing, or then we can move on to the next thing. You can't tackle the entire issues with climate change, but you can tackle the issues when you're talking about with energy consumption and NFTs. So just one way to look at it. I'm getting yeah, people I think, engaged. Uh, it's, it's an issue that's changing every day. So you don't want to do too much too fast. You want to grow with the industry as well, right? Like every week there's a new tech advancement or a new company getting involved or a new like social media brand getting involved like YouTube yesterday or two days ago with the new announcement, right? Um, so if you try to do too much too fast, you might actually end up biting yourself in, in the foot for you know, just getting a little too ahead of yourself with the expansion of the industry. The market's still deciding itself. The the overall goals of the industry. So it's better. I feel personally to just like carve out your niche and work on building that while paying attention to everything going on around you and finding new ways to adapt these adjustments as you go. Almost like being an amoeba or amoeba, sorry, with your your brand as it grows, right? No, that's that's a that's a great good analogy, and it's so true. If you're too hyper focused, you know, you'll end up. Uh, not reaching the, the max potential of your, your brand and reaching the max audience that you could. And that's one of the things I really love about this industry is that it's, it's all about the pivot, you know, and corporate America, it isn't, it's all about the roadmap. You know, you have to do a, to get to B, to get to C and people don't stray off of it. And they've got all kinds of analysis as to why this is the right way to do it, even though you may not be getting the results. So I love this whole, you know, fast moving industry that everybody is working together to try to figure out. Um, the, the, we've said this so many times on the show, but it's just amazing the collaboration and the willingness of, you know, what would be in corporate America competing projects, um, really helping each other out. I mean, we said this before the call, but Kevin, we can't thank you enough for all of the connections you have hooked Cust and I up with on our project. We haven't announced our project yet, but we will in the next few weeks. And it's really exciting. The process is exciting. The project itself is amazing, going to be amazing. Um, and it's, you really can, you know, you always wonder, how can I make a difference? You know, we're just these small little people in this huge world. And how can we make an impact? And NFTs and this whole industry is a way to do that. From an individual level to affect and you know, look at your project you know there's yeah we're just ten thousand people that yeah you know, i don't have any background in environmental activism i happened to find project arc by uh, communicating in the discord i had bought a uh slacker duck and um one of the untamed elephant nfts which raises funds for uh element um or element conservation elephant conservation um, so in that discord, I was just chatting and I met a guy who introduced me to John from carbon base and project arc. And that was how I ended up starting to work with them. Um, and this is just, again, like you said, something that could have been like, oh, no, I'm not going to introduce you to these people. There are people, but instead they introduced us and here we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's one thing that's really fantastic about this industry is that everybody's figuring it out. Everybody wants to support each other. Like you said, and, um, Do you, think yeah, you never know what a, what a day is going to bring or what a conversation. No, that's, well, that's for sure. <laughs> 
conversation doesn't really go anywhere but it's you know a few weeks later it's like oh you should meet this person i i think you guys should connect because it, it makes sense that you guys work together it's not always about what i'm doing you know right how long do you think that will stay like that i hope it That's stays forever uh, but... you know as as more big brands get involved i think there will be more um centralized uh, systems but like even for example, with the upcoming Adidas and, and Prodacom uh, collab, um, the whole idea behind that is that creators create their um, their NFT uh, wearable basically through that that uh, platform. So it still empowers new creators, even though it's a brand that would generally probably be a little more uh, strict as to as far as who they work with and what they're doing, right? So it's interesting to see how different companies come into this place uh, or in this space, sorry, and um, you know, adapt to the industry and figure what what they're doing. Like, I find I saw a quote the other day where it was like, you know, in Web two, it was artists would dream to work with brands, and in Web three, brands dream to work with artists, and it, mm. it really does feel that way a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Do you think they'll be bringing these artists in house, or will it be a a contracting out situation so the artists maintain their independence? Well, it's a commission based. I, I think you know the artists aren't going to want to generally sign exclusives, and the whole concept behind. Uh, web3 really is a lot of interoperability like cross chain cross metaverse cross brand right now for the for this whole space to exist right now we have to have finance coders artists collectors all like big business uh degenerates all working together to create an industry right so i don't think you could change that like the, the industry is such a unique blend of people that you couldn't really alter that to kind of like become a, an omniopoly and, and have a power over what happens, right? You you have to play the game. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> brands aren't, right. whether this is NFTs or it's just in general, these brands weren't ready for this kind of increase. And with COVID, it just fast forwarded everything. It's an extra five to 10 years. So now brands didn't really know too much about content and creators. So now they have, they're forced to just hire. There's a huge market too, if you're a creator on TikTok, wherever you are to do videos for brands because they can't do it themselves. They haven't, they can't pivot that quickly. And the same thing with NFTs, I think what happened is a lot of these brands that NFT projects that are popular now and are, and are paving their way, I think a lot of brands will look to them, maybe try to either a consulting something or just have some sort of partnerships. But I think, and I've heard a lot of people talk that is they definitely have to be wary of what actually happens when a corporate structure comes in and tries to dictate some stuff in the NFT space. Cause it's kind of like a, I give the analogy of like you give somebody a yard, they take a football field, especially in corporate America and like political system, stuff like that, just a little bit. And then they come in there and they're going to change everything. So I think I've seen a lot of people super nervous about that. So I'm really interested to see where they, what happens, what we do to combat that. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that too. Cause like with, with IP being a big thing in, in all these brands, right? Like what happens when a company gets bought out, but they've given all their IP to the community holders? Like how is that going to work? Or for example, the other side of things, when, um, somebody wants to make a game and they work with a gaming studio and they don't really understand IP licensing and they sign a deal with a studio to make a game, but then the studio owns the game, not them. You know, like that, there's a lot of that, I think that's going to happen. And not just in game, the game side of things, wearables, like every industry, it, there are vultures, <laughs> let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> so like, there's no reason that this isn't going to continue into the industry space. And it already is. We're seeing it with all the rug pulls that happen, the fake influencers, brands that we don't know who's behind and it could be the same person behind seven different companies that are all doing nothing like there's so much anonymity and traditional scam practices that are very blatantly happening already and it's just going to amplify but there's the other element too you know for every bad there's there's good right so right. i think about the bad especially with nfts too just like 
pretty much talking crap about NFTE, screenshotting, rug pulls, all this and everything like that. And that's kind of a, a reason why we started our project too. At the end of the day, like uh, back in the fall, summer, I was seeing so many projects. I was seeing good ones. Of course, there was really like projects that are now like one of the top projects in the space, but I was also seeing a lot of projects come in and say, hey, we're doing a game and come invest in it. And they would sell out 10,000 collection where they're just saying, oh, we're going to do this this game. I'm like, do you know how hard it is to make a game? And who even are these people? They're just, they're not even, there's no Twitter there. There's no LinkedIn socials. It's just an avatar with a name. And that was really big inspiration that I think trans like kind of like really was like, all right, let's research this and kind of led to starting our project. I was like, we, we have, there's so many better people and not to be selfish to us, but we, we were like, we can do stuff that's a lot better and have more impact if these brands and these projects are coming out offering a game and some other stuff that never is going to happen. They rug pull it. Why can't we come in? Someone like you too, as you did with Purple Penguin, why can't somebody come in and actually do something that's meaningful? And a big challenge for us was actually trying to blend both worlds because a lot of the times people want that hype and they want that because they want to make money. People are DJs. They want <laughs> so like for us it's really been a challenge of balancing both not biting off too much that we can choose saying like we're going to do this and this and that we've kind of toned down to like hey what can we really do at first and over deliver on those results and i think that's something that i've seen you do with purple penguin too and i i think a lot of projects aren't doing and we hope that through our project too especially if we come in here with that sort of mindset of front-loading value i, I give gary v huge credit i'm a big gary v fan I love what he's done with V friends. Say what you want about Gary V. People have their opinions, and that, that's fine. He's not perfect. <laughs> I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. Um, but I'm really perfect. It, it, except <laughs> except for me. <laughs> uh, but I truly appreciated what he did with V friends because I think that he front loaded the value. Hey, you can come to these conferences for three years. I don't think he really knew it was in the the, the floor price. Now it's going to be 40k for a, a V friend. I don't I don't think he ever thought that would happen. But that kind of goes to show you like what happens when you actually provide value to a community and stay strong. He always talks about on, on Twitter too. Um, but don't come to me for advice on NFTs like for flipping them. I'm not going to give you that. That's not me. I look at NFTs in like the next year, what project's going to be big. And that's how I invest, not in the short-term stuff like that. So I think if you have that vision with you do with the climate change too, as we do too, I think that the market will dictate that and find out as long as the marketing is done right and the messaging is done right and the people speak right, that people will come on and be like, they're doing some great things right here. How can I help out in which way, any way possible? Right. Cause we're building a brand and you're building a brand. If you're building a brand and you, and you come out with that, front-loaded value then our next project people will know the name they'll understand it they'll be totally on board and you really can impact change you know these things are hitting ten thousand people at a time it's it's a big deal yeah we were talking about this on the the drop space twitter spaces last night that we did and uh it was a little bit about like what the what we see for the market coming and mm. you know there will still be the flippers that try to flip whatever project comes that's not going to go away there's yep. penny stock traders so why would it be any different in in nfts but then I think the market will mature a little bit more and people will look for brands that have, you know, a, a docs transparent founder that have a, a experienced team that can actually pull off connections and promises that they say that don't over promise and under deliver that, they, you know, they under promise and over deliver or they come with the full product polished right from the get go and say, you know, this is what we're doing. This is there's nothing tied. This is already ready to go because they've already developed lots of brands and then you know, more entrepreneurs are going to get involved in this that have experience. Versus mm -hmm. people just trying to capitalize on the hype, right? But that'll that won't go away. I still believe there'll be a, a huge market for flippers that mint whatever comes their way in the casino slot machine world that we currently have. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's tough to actually 
I was talking to this, I think Lisa and the other day to someone else about the whole idea of, of flipping. Like I've always like collected things, baseball cards, Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, but I've always had a problem letting them go. Like I never liked to, to take <laughs> my baseball cards and like sell them for money or like trade them for something. I didn't mind trading them maybe for something better than I liked, but there was, there was always this thing where I would feel like guilty almost trading. I was like, no, I, I want this because it, it has meaning to me. And now with NFTs, it's even more because now it's not just a collectible you put on your shelf or anywhere I have. Um, behind me, it's an NFTs. You're part of a community, and you're helping on them out, and you're meeting new people. If you sell that NFT, you're no longer part of that community, and that's something that, for me, especially with my NFTs, it's like I, I don't really sell any of my NFTs, and I don't really plan to, and, and that's not me. So if people want to come, I almost tried to, uh, and I did create a TikTok with some tips about like not flipping NFTs, but more just like saying like, hey, what to look for in a project. I remember my first video got over half a million views and I was like, geez, there are so many people out here that are just looking at this just from a money standpoint. And all of a sudden you have TikTokers pop up, YouTubers pop up, just hyping projects up because like somebody pays them. I remember emailing somebody on YouTube that I thought was really cool in the space and being like, hey, like we're doing this project. Like how do we like get on your show or to talk about it too? And this person was like, yeah, it's uh, $50,000 or a percentage of mint. And I was like... <laughs> You didn't even, I didn't even tell you what my project is. How do you, what do you yeah. mean thousand dollars? The American way. Like, yeah, just- honestly, that, that was a big problem that we found uh, when we first entered the space too. Everybody was, you know, everybody reaches out, they want help. And then there's a price tag or you contact them about doing a show. And it's just these absurd prices. Even some of the, the DJs in the space, you know, we, one of the DJs that I booked before, I won't name them, but we've booked them before in, in Hamilton and, I know what we paid them and they asked for 10 Ethereum to do a live stream. And I was like, are, are you wow. serious right now? Like for wow. a live stream? Wow. That's a lot That's of money. Crazy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, you know, and like, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to do a real event in person. I'm not going to do a live stream in a metaverse. Like there's, there's a whole serious production going on if I'm spending that kind of money, but there's just this weird misunderstanding that if you're in NFTs, you're just rolling in the dough. And also that like, everybody is here to quit like there's there's flips happening constantly nobody talks about the stuff that they didn't make money on there's there's a weird misconception there's an elephant in the room of addiction um i think that that's a huge thing in the space that nobody really talks about um you know there was a post i saw earlier today with somebody talking about these um there's a new thing going around with these like yellow background apes and it's basically the board apes with just reworked traits which personally I, i don't really like a lot of the derivative stuff i find a lot of it's really like low effort it's like not really a derivative in my eyes like derivatives are like fan art and you know variations that have an actual reason to exist not just like let's mix remix traits and sell it to make a buck um so there was a post about that and it was like people that have bags are okay with this and people that don't have bags are shit talking it and like it's more than that there's there's so many people that are just focused on the money and i feel like the media is is kind of responsible for that too because whenever you read an article it's always about the price. It never mentions the community, the technology, the assets, mm-hmm. the unlocked uh, extra features. Like they never talk about any of that. It's always about this product flipped for this much money or this got rug pulled for this much money. Those are the right. only two conversations that we ever see in the media. And I think that that needs to change for us mm-hmm. to reach a better adoption and a more mature market. And how do we change that? That's tough. You know, that's uh, a tough I, one because the media needs to go get the, you know, the sound bite. What's going to hook everybody? Money, money, money. And that's what's taking us down the tubes. Um, exactly. Yeah. It's this right? weird double edged sword, right? Yeah. Where the, the people that are going to be talking about it are the mainstream media that's going to catch on. They're going to be excited about the finances, right? Like uh, Paris Hilton was on the Jimmy Fallon show uh, the other day, and it felt very product placement cringy to me. Like, 
oh, you bought a board ape. So I started looking into them. But Paris has been here for over a year. She knows what the board apes are. She didn't just buy one because Jimmy bought one. And I don't think she bought it. I'm pretty sure MoonPay bought it because why would she mention MoonPay got me an ape? Like it's it's so product placement that yeah. it really is damaging the industry in my opinion. Yeah, that's a huge one. I think with Jimmy Fallon too, like, I don't know if it, like when he did that, I don't know if it looked like I was reading something that like it was transferred to him and he never actually bought it. Like, so a big thing with projects is I see too. I don't know if that's true, but I see a lot of projects doing the same thing of, there's a person on TED Talk, I'm not going to name their names, but they they're, they have like 300,000 followers, 400,000. And it started with just like getting rich in NFTs. And then all of a sudden they're pushing this proj- project, but never mentioning that after, of course, I see that they're pushing this project. I'll, let me look it up. And I see that the same name on TikTok is the founder of the project. So I'm like, you're pushing your own project, but you have never mentioned that it's your own project once. And then the next video is like, Gary V owns it. FaZe Banks own it, owns it this. And I'm like, okay, let's see. Search up the number. It's like, transferred to Gary V transferred to this person like guys like these people are just taking NFTs transferring them over to Gary V these celebrities and being doing a post on their social media or their discord being like Gary V owns our NFT collection then people are like oh my god Gary V owns my NFT like I'm gonna buy more the things going to the moon people get screwed and then people which I appreciate Gary saying too is he talks about like the depression that can come with people just losing all their money because they think that this NFTs, you just buy it and it always goes up. But again, as you said, nobody really talks about the negative side. And I heard somebody, I was talking to um, another person that's a social media influencer, just filmmaking, super cool person. But he he's saying that some of his friends just like lost their houses pretty much because they bought houses for the money they made off NFTs. They lost their houses. He was saying that in his investments, he lost like three Teslas worth of kind of Ethereum there, which is like people literally getting flipped. I guess they probably bought the house, financed it, thought they had the money. Then all of a sudden, crashed the theorem crashed their nfts crashed and they can't pay the bills anymore so yeah the- people are spending money that they don't really have yet uh, it's funny you, you mentioned gary i got in a little argument with gary on twitter the other day um because he was promoting a project that ended up being a rug pull and his kind of thing was don't do what i do but he's the most followed wallet in the space if you're a don't follow what i do do use an anonymous wallet don't tweet about projects until you really know the founder. Like I love Gary, but I also have a little bit of a, he says, you know, don't do as I do kind of thing. And I don't really like that as a voice that's as powerful as he is. Mm. Uh, And as you mentioned, people send him stuff in his wallet. So you have a mix of people watching his wallet, people sending stuff to his wallet, and then him talking about what's in his wallet. And it creates this weird uh, power dynamic where people will utilize that for bad. And people will use that as a, a, excuse to jump into things without doing any research because oh gary bought it and a you don't know if he bought it b he doesn't know if it's going to last or not half the time because unless it's a project that's been around for six months plus how do you know it's going to live most of these projects come up overnight they have a new twitter that popped up like two months ago how do you know it's going to be here in six months right some projects are here for years but those are all the ones i find that have like a doxed founder and an actual team that's public about it not just like a twitter anonymous founder so let's talk about that. Let's talk about how, how a project stays around and how you continue to bring value to a project. That's, I think, uh, unique for every project, right? Everybody has their own own vision of what they want to do. Um, for, for us, for example, it's been a lot of uh, sweat equity and, and building um, through like in-kind work, uh, connecting partnerships and letting the experts be the experts in their fields. Um, no, I'm not a game developer and I'm not an expert in 
uh, environmental activism. So we've partnered with gaming studios and partnered with esports uh, contacts that I know from when I worked in that industry to make let you know let them help us build out that side of the brand. And that's one way that we've been able to continue adding value is by um, you know letting or connecting to different industry experts and adding value from maybe non NFT native areas. Uh, and that's not something that everybody can do, but if you can, that's a great way to add extra values by introducing new things to the space that aren't, you know, crypto native. Um, yeah. And that's another thing too, is, is a company, um, you know, are, are the founders still there talking, whether they're adding new value, whether they're building or not, um, or I can say whether they're building or not, but whether they're adding like giveaways and prizes and whatever it may be, community value. Are they there every day talking to you? Are they showing you new updates or is it just like once a month we have a, a very lax announcement, right? These are little signs that you can see as to like, is this gonna grow or is this a slow rug, right? right. If it's a once a month, really lackluster announcement, how much are they actually doing? If they're there all the time, just kind of communicating, letting you know what's going on, then you know they're building. Like we've been building since May and we haven't dropped our 10K collection, but we still have a community that checks in every day because we're constantly updating them with new things and adding new value. and you know, they know we're building utility. They're, they're looking forward to finding out what all they get with their penguins and stuff, right? Other companies, they've released a collection and then they can go quiet. And yeah. after three or four months of a, someone going quiet, you have to assume they're probably not actually working that hard. Yeah. How big is your community right now? So we have uh, just over 800 holders of our Pebble token. Um, mm -hmm. We launched a cryptocurrency first as a way to enter into the space, kind of like a launch pad. Uh, it was a way to kind of develop some funding for us and for donations um, for the Saving Penguins organization that we work with. Uh, they build artificial penguin nests. So through our tokenomics, uh, we have a wallet dedicated to, to them that we can send donations to. And uh, anytime someone sells some more Pebble token, um, some of the donation would go to that donations wallet. So that was one way we could get people involved. And then also with those wallets, we've created our Tuxedo Club which is where we kind of offer uh, like white lift, whitelist gifts and airdrops and different prizes for our community for just being early investors and supporting us early on. Tell people what whitelist is if they don't know. Good, good question. <laughs> um, there's a lot of terminology in the space. Right, there's a ton of terminology. This, and you're going to be confused every day as to something new. You're going to constantly be looking up, what is this? What is that? So a whitelist is basically just like a, a, an early access list or a limited list of um, accounts or wallets that will get... Uh, to mint or buy a NFT collection or piece of art or whatever it may be for that specific drop. Um, so it's a limited access, I guess you could say. Great. Uh, usually it's like pre-access. So you'll get a whitelist mint, which will be like an early mint date and then a public mint date. So you get uh, the advantage of not having to participate in the, the rush of everybody trying to buy at once. Right. It's almost like if you had Black Friday a day early from everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where can uh, people get in touch with you, follow you on Twitter, and where can people get if they want to buy some, um, get involved with Purple Penguins and the drop coming drop? I'm super stoked to see that, the collection, but where can people get in touch with you? Um, so, of course, my personal account, uh, I'm Prof Quigley on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn just as my name, uh, Kevin Lawson. Uh, for Purple Penguin, we have our website at purplepenguin.finance. Um, our Twitter is at pebble underscore penguin. And then we have the at vagrant penguins for our vagrant penguin collection. And those are our intergalactic battle ready, rave ready, uh, you know, party penguins, basically. <laughs> Sweet. We'll put everything in Fantastic. the for anybody listening to the show, as we always do, we always link everybody below so you can ease of access and don't have to remember what Kevin just said too. So hit the description if you want to check out any of those things. Wonderful. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, we really guys. appreciate you coming on and taking the time. 
yeah, I love doing these uh, these kind of chats. It's always great to be a voice in the industry and especially when it comes to climate action and what you can do out of your own apartment. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. So congrats on all you're doing. Thank you for listening to this episode of Becoming. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort and we'll catch you in the next episode.